Hello, Turkaholics, and thank you for listening once again to Football Ela Turka. This is Season 2, Episode 2 for Match Day 3 of the Turkish Super League, and we will also be discussing the UEFA Europa League results. This episode is for the week of September 3rd, August 2019, and uh, that's right on deadline, after deadline day, really. I'm joined once again by Burak Sezgin, the returning Özerdinger, and a very special guest as well, Jakub Marufolo. Uh, Jakub, thank you very much for joining us. You're going to be giving us a Trabzon Sport voice. So thanks for joining us. And Barack and Ezra, of course, thank you for joining us again. Ezra, you must be over the moon. Of course, Radamel Falcao finally signed for Galatasaray, believe it or not. Oh, I know. I'm still I'm still living in a cloud of, of best bliss. Uh, I'm delighted. The wait is over. Two, maybe three months by now of waiting. The dream has finally come true. Falcao is ours. And seeing seeing the delight, the, the joy and the elation on his face, I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe he was there. He's finally got uh, a fan base who's going to adore him, unlike Monaco, where he was playing in front of three, 4,000 people every week. He had 30,000 people just show up at the airport. And um, I think it's the start of a good relationship between us. Undoubtedly. Unfortunately, uh, because of the deadline day, when we were recording this, we're actually recording us on the 2nd, uh, deadline day is still in full flow. There's still a lot of stuff happening. Uh, there's a lot of transfer stuff to talk about. So what we're going to do is, because this is the international break, we are going to do uh, just a coverage of match day 2 and the Europa League results this today. And then next week, we'll give you a full transfer episode we'll be focusing on all the transfers that happened to the highlights of course like Daniel Sturridge, Radama Falcao, Nzonzi, uh, Max Kruse uh, and uh, you know the the whole the whole plethora of transfers that happened we'll be checking out all the key signings for for the Turkish club so that's for next week um, in addition you're also going to get four bonus episodes this week uh, we're going to be previewing the Europa League groups that include Turkish clubs. So that's Trabzonspor, Başakşehir, and Besiktas, of course. And then, of course, as well, the UEFA Champions League group for Galatasaray because the group stage draws took place. Um, I'm going to mention the group stage draws in just a bit. Uh, but you know already that that's going to be coming then your way. The recordings for that will be scheduled in this and next week, so I'm not 100% sure on the timetable of releasing those episodes. But before we get a little bit more into it, Burak, you haven't said a word yet. Welcome to the show as well, my friend. Uh, thanks. Yeah, I'm just smoking my shisha here, boys. So I just thought I'd go on mute to save you hearing the bubbles. And as well as the extra episodes, we are also going to bring you the story of the year, which is the, the sanctioned UFC cage fight between Ruza Durmushi and the journalist Yaz Sabunjuolo. <laughs> right, because Yaz uh, said earlier today or something that um, uh, he that Durmushi had an injury or something, and then but then he said, "I'm ready to play." What, what was it? Tell us a little bit about that, Burak, quickly. Oh uh, well, uh, it, basically they had a little spat backwards and forwards, and Ruza uh, said, uh, "Speak facts, not bullshit," and Yaz then blocked him. So you should go and check it out online. It's quite funny. And then uh, Yaz, I mean, Rizal replied with a video to a Fenner fan with no sound on as well. So it's just comical. So <laughs> I, I, I completely missed that in the in uh, the whole uh, chaos of, of uh, yeah, deadline day. But let's quickly go over to the Europa League and Champions League draws. I'm just quickly going to mention um, the results of the draws. 
before we get started on the actual Europa League result of the qualifiers. But spoiler alert, uh, Trabzonspor, of course, managed to qualify for uh, the group stages. So for the we'll start off with the Champions League group stage draws. Galatasaray were drawn in Group A with from Pot 1 Paris Saint-Germain, from Pot 2 Real Madrid, from Pot 3 Club Bruges and of course Galatasaray from Pot 4. In the Europa League, Trabzonspor were drawn in Group C. Basel was drawn from Pot 1, Krasnodar drawn from Pot 2, Getafe drawn from Pot 3 and then of course Trabzonspor from Pot 4. Then for Besiktas, they were ended up in Group K. They were the first team out in Pot 1. Then in, from Pot 2, they got Braga from Portugal. And they got from Pot 3, Wolverhampton Wanderers. And from Pot 3, they got Slovan Bratislava. Then finally, Bajaksir are in Group J of the Europa League. They got drawn from Pot 1 with Roma, as Roma. From Pot 2, Borussia Mönchengladbach. And then from Pot 3 themselves. <laughs> and from Pot 4, they got Austrian side Wolfsburger. I'm just emphasizing that that's an Austrian side and not actually the German side Wolfsburg. So that's the Europa League draw. Um, so yeah, let's move over. How did Trabzonspor actually get into the Europa League? Trabzonspor had of course won one to three away last week against Aika Athens. They had a really good um, position to going through to the next round. It was almost impossible to mess up, but they very nearly did because they lost. 2-0 at home against Aika Athens, unfortunately, but that was enough still to uh, qualify for the group stages. Goals here came from Marco Livaya in the 24th minute, and uh, then from a penalty spot from Petras Mandolas in the 30th minute. Um, Marco Livaya also the goal scorer last week for Aika Athens, and of course he was highlighted by in our preview by Stavros Markoulakis as the star player of Aika. But 2-0 was still enough, a 2-0 loss was still enough for Trabzonspor to advance to the group stages. Uh, quickly, your thoughts on uh, this match, Jakub. What did you think of how Trabzon played? Were you surprised that they lost this match? I mean, well, being a fan for like 25, 26 years, it, nothing surprises me at this point, to be honest. Um, Trabzonspor, uh, they, play, they play really good football, but... I don't know. I never can trust the team to finish a game, even if they won away like three-one, as you said. Um, but yeah, Aika just um, just battered the, the just battered the team in the, like like the first half an hour. And uh, in my opinion, the second goal wasn't a penalty; it was outside of the box. But um, I have to say, um, before the match, I thought that it uh, would be smart to rotate uh, Novak. Wakaime and Sosa, but I'm so happy that Unal just went with them, just to be sure, because if they, if not, uh, if Wakaime and uh, Sosa hadn't played, it would have been ended, it would have ended really, really bad. It ended really awful, but it would be really bad. But um, the second half was uh, was better, the team uh, started to regain their confidence, kept the ball on the team, and it was like a really tight, tight squeeze, but uh, but we got it in the end and we're back to the Europa League after like three years. So let's get it. Yeah, I didn't really have the feeling in the second half that Trabzonspor really got into any danger. Trabzonspor were the most dangerous side, closest to scoring. Nakayama came close a few times. Aika didn't really have a, a final offensive uh, or, or anything like that for that that's that third goal. Uzer, uh, you were watching the match, I believe, and, and you, I didn't. I actually didn't watch the first half. I only watched the second half, so uh, I was surprised yeah. when you told me it was two nil. Actually, I know I was. I was surprised while watching it, to be honest. I mean, I tell you, the one thing it really exposed or, or really emphasized something we already knew. 
about Trabzon's defensive frailties because both goals were really kind of messed because of the messed up uh, communication in defence. Um, they could have easily been avoided. Um, and they really kind of shot Trabzon's game plan because 2-0 down suddenly thinking, well, concede one more and that's it, you're, you're over, it's, it's over. Um, and having played such classy football in the first leg in Greece and having been in a position where he could have scored a couple more goals, yeah, I be became really, really nervous watching, watching that game. Um, but in the end, 2-0, you know, it's embarrassing to lose at home, 2-0. Uh, but, you know, they got the job done, that's the important thing, and it's kind of like a sigh of relief and, and move on. Um, but I guess I'm going to talk about the, the, the game against Fenerbahce from the weekend anyway, but Trabzon's defence is something that, that needs a lot of work because I think their squad is a bit top-heavy right now in terms of their attacking prowess relative to their defensive mm -hmm. uh, weaknesses. And I feel that's a recurring topic, by the way, not just with Trabzonspor, but Fenerbahce and Galatasaray have a similar issue, True. I feel like. Yeah, totally um, agree, yeah. But of course here, I think Karaman did rotate a little bit. Ivanildo started here. Um, I don't think he's been starting in the league. He didn't start against Fenerbahce for sure. And I believe the first goal was kind of his slip up. Um, and, and generally, from the second half that I did watch, uh, I didn't feel like he was a very confident uh, defender. And I, I said it before, I was quite surprised that Trabzonspor got Edgarier and then immediately loaned him out to Feyenoord. So I, I bet, Jakub, being from the Netherlands, you're probably watching him with great interest when Feyenoord is playing. I mean, I'm from Rotterdam also, and also a Feyenoord fan. So it's kind of hard to see him play so well. And uh, I've encountered a couple of Feyenoord fans that are really happy that we just lent him away because he's... Mm. He's really good on the ball, he has a strong mind and, you know, he's, he's really calm. Um, I, have, I have to say, though, I don't really like, I don't really mind the, the defensive duo of uh, Campi and Ivanildo because um, the first game they played really good and Ivanildo looks like a banger, but yeah, everyone has a, has a bad game. I mean, uh, we start the league, the, in the league they don't play at all, it's just Hussein and, uh, and Hosseini. But yeah, they probably thought like we had all, we already have like four four centre backs. It's no use for a fifth one if we have to rotate, and that's why they lent him away. Let's hope we get him back after a year, and he's like much better. Yeah, I don't think there's an option to buy, so he'll be back next year. And if he has a good season with Feyenoord, you basically have a, a prepped uh, defender ready for yeah. next season. Uh, Burak, anything to add on this match? No, no, I, I agree with you, Jakob. I thought the, the penalty shout that happened outside the box, but it's good to see a Turkish team go through to the, the group stages and may you do well and help the country's coefficient points. And it once again also emphasizes the fact that VAR is, is just a necessity, I think, in these qualifiers too, because, you know, I mean, could makes the difference between a couple of extra million a year and... Uh, we're not going to go into it now, but some news came out today in, in regards to the TFF, uh, financial fair play stuff with the club's budgets and things like that. So we'll be discussing that hopefully down the line with some people who are uh, have more of an expertise in that. But there's, you know, every every bit of money counts right now for all the Turkish clubs, it seems like. But let's move over to match day three results in the Turkish Super League. On Friday, Kasim Pasha and Ankara Gücü opened up the match day and uh, that match ended 1-0 in favor of Ankara Gücü. The goal here coming in the 23rd minute through Ilhan Parlak. And a point of note here is that Ricardo Quaresima made his debut for Kasim Pasha coming on at halftime as a substitute replacing Yusuf Erdogan. Uh, and he was basically responsible for the main source of, of, of 
danger from Kasim Pasha in the second half. All in all, um, Uzer, did you feel like this was a fair result? Did Kasim Pasha deserve to lose their third straight game, or was it a flattering win for Angra? Well, I think it, a draw would have probably been a fair result, to be honest. I mean, I caught the highlights of this game, um, and what one of the things that stood out for me was was the superb goal from Ilan Pollock, um, really kind of like leaping out of the water like a, like a salmon into the air, and really, uh, really, really classy header there. Um, yeah, Quaresma made a few uh, good crosses, a few good flashy passes when he came on as well. Um, so I think that, you know they should be fine going forward. I, I think that one nil perhaps on balance did flatter Ankaragüç. Although I, you know I, I want them to do well. So versus especially when they're playing guys like Kasim Pasha, I have no fans. So yeah, I'm happy with the result as a, as a neutral. Um, also, Fatih Öztürk, the uh, the goalkeeper. What do we think of his his dreadlocks? By the way, he, he looks like a young Craig David to me. Barak, did you notice that? <laughs> You know what? Now you've said it, um, I can. Um, so thank you. And for the rest of our fans, we'll have to fill them in. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Very good. Okay. <laughs> maybe you should, maybe film, could, maybe we should uh, <laughs> have a little sound clip from the song to just uh, interject that bit. As long as we don't get sued by any copyright holders. <laughs> but interesting enough, Ankara were, I think, tipped as one of the top relegation candidates before the, the season started, mainly because of their um, transfer ban, losing a lot of their best players. Their transfer ban did not get lifted, so they didn't get a single new player. They only managed to extend uh, existing deals, or I believe the only transfer they actually could do was Kitsiu because he was on loan and I guess they had an option or something so that's the kind of stuff that, that did slip through the cracks. I believe Chelsea did something similar as well with their transfer ban but they had a player with on loan with option to buy and apparently that's a little bit of a way around but Ankerkiju were definitely tipped as one of the main contenders for relegation so to speak but uh, they're on five points unbeaten still after three matches. Uh, for example, Besiktas and Galtzrai uh, already have a loss, so that's not a bad start for Ankaregiju. And Kasim Pasha, on the other hand, zero points still. Is that something that surprises you, Burak? Uh, not really. I mean, they lost Trezeguet, and he was one of their main sources of assists and, and danger. Um, Koresma um, came on. He made some good crosses. Um, I think one of them led to a head hit in the bar as well. But I think Kasim Pasha will struggle this season, um, personally. Um, potential candidates for, for relegation after losing that dynamic duo of Jagnet and Trezeguet from last season. So I just think they need to... I know they've made a few signings, so if they can bed them in and they start to play well and click, um, but I think they'll definitely finish bottom half of the table this season. Yeah, what do you think, Jakub? They're the only team remaining with zero points right now. Um, from what you've seen of them so far, do you think that that's just uh, a minor glitch right now or is it something that's going to be a continuous trend throughout the season that they'll struggle to pick up points? I mean, they lost um, a lot of their attacking prowess when they lost uh, Trezeguet. And, um, you know, a player like Jagne, even though he was hated by a lot of Galatasaray fans and they were happy that he's, he's, he's gone, isn't easily replaced in Turkey, you know. Um, I don't know if 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 uh, getting uh, Quaresma is going to be a good thing 
Uh, I know uh, from a lot of Besiktas fans that he's a really polarizing figure. Some people, some like him because he's really flashy, and some hate him because he has like 40 crosses a game and like two of them land. I don't know. It's 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 kind of difficult to say. Um, you never know that it's with you never know with Turkish football. They might have again a gem in their hands with uh, a Giovanni like player, but. Um, I don't know. I don't think I, I don't see them relegating this season, but uh, I might be proven wrong. And the correction, of course, they have one point because actually they got a draw against the Trabzonspor on match day run. Uh, it's against Terbili who are still on zero points. So of but, course, they got a point against us. <laughs> but more of that later. Uh, the other match on Friday was Kayseri Spor Galtzray, and this was a spectacular game, a controversial game. Lots of stuff going on here. Um, four red cards, I believe, a penalty, two disallowed goals, and five goals split between the two of them. Kayseri scoring twice, Galtzray scoring three, the, the last one of which coming in the ninth minute of stoppage time. But let's go over the scoreline quickly. So Pedro Henrique had opened the scoreline for Kayseri Spor in the first half, put them in front. That was the halftime scoreline as well. Then uh, Ryan Babel had a goal disallowed for offside, correct decision. Um, then in the 56th minute, Ayman Abdenur received his second yellow card in the 65th minute. His first one was in the 54th minute. That was also a penalty. Uh, first referee didn't award the penalty, but VAR intervened. And uh, yeah, the referee went on and checked Red um, Manolo and awarded the penalty. Correct decision again. Uh, I personally thought the yellow card wasn't a correct decision, but I was pointed uh, out by that uh, according to the new rules since this season, it is correct and he should have gotten yellow and therefore red. Uh, so that was a correct decision. Yunus Belhanda converting from the penalty spot in the 66th minute then. Then Pedro, Pedro Henrique, the goal scorer, received his second yellow card in the 73rd minute. He had gotten a yellow card in the 70th minute. Then Ryan Babel had another goal disallowed. This one was super tight. Um, assist from Emre Moore. And Emre was like literally, I think, five centimeters offside maximum. Uh, but it was a correct decision once again. Then Ryan Babel did get on the score sheet in the 87th minute. Another deflected, deflected shot, just like last week against Konyaspor. Then Emre Moore saw his second yellow card in the 89th minute. And he literally got two yellow cards in, I don't know, 45 seconds. So his first yellow card was in the 89th minute. And his second was as well. So he got sent off. Galtry down to 10 men. In the meantime, of course, Konya were already playing with nine men. Then Umut Bulut gets on the score sheet from the resulting free kick, I believe it was. 2-2 uh, in the first minute of stoppage time. Then Umut Bulut gets a yellow card in the result of that because there was a VAR check there because Marcao went down like a sack of bricks um, with a what I can only call defensive simulation. Uh, VAR check for that. Umut Bulut got pissed off, got a yellow card for protests during the VAR check. Uh, got a yellow card then. Then four minutes later, he got another yellow card for a fall on the edge of the box. Sent off Kayseri down to eight men. And then uh, in the ninth minute of stoppage time, Adam Buke puts the full-time scoreline on the score sh scoreboard. Two to three in favor of Galtzray. Galtzray's first win in the 2019-2020 season following a loss on match day one against Tenisi Spor and a draw on match day two against Konya Spor. It's a, it's a mouthful. I feel like I've been talking for 20 minutes. Uzer, it's, all to, it's up to you. What, <laughs> tell us the okay, story well, about this match from your perspective. I mean, this game had pretty much everything. It was total chaos. Uh, I, I spoke about this extensively as the game was going on on Twitter, but 
Like, if if this game was a Shakespearean play, it would be Titus Andronicus. Probably one that a lot of people haven't heard of because it's traditionally one of his like least admired, least respected plays. Much like the quality of this game was. But it's just full of graphic violence and everyone killing each other. It's just total mayhem of a play. Just like this game was. How many red cards did you say there were? I can't even remember. How many yellow cards? How many VAR decisions? How many disallowed goals? Four How many? reds, I four, think, right? Four reds? Four? Yeah, three for I mean, history, one for Galtra, I think. This game, I mean, it was literally totally chaotic. Um, the, the, probably the worst quality game of football I've ever seen, but at the same time, one of the most memorable matches that I remember. Um, it, it takes me back to the Akisar game at the end of last season, where we were just throwing everything but the kitchen sink at, sink at the goal, and we could finally score at the last second. In this case, um, we had such, from the outset actually, before the game started, we were so desperate to get the three points, given that poor start that we had to season. Um, and as the game was going on, I just thought, well, we're, we're going to definitely drop points here. This is a, this is a catastrophe for us. Um, and I just couldn't believe what I was watching in the second half, to be honest. Even when we scored this, the goal that took, put us 2-1 up, I was like, should I celebrate this? Or is the goal going to be disallowed? I don't know what's going on right now. Um, and then it was 2-2 thanks to the, the free kick um, that was conceded by Emily Moore because of his petulance. Two yellow cards in, what, 10 seconds, was, which was absolutely terrible. He was behaving like a petulant kid. Even when he made that second yellow card tack to tackle on the Kaiser defender, you could just see the way he ran up to him from behind. He was like, listen, I'm going to get this guy. I've just been booked. I'm not thinking straight. I'm going to tackle this guy for whatever, because I'm pissed off. And he did it, and he got the yellow card, and almost cost his team the three points. So Terim needs to have a real serious talking with MMO. Um, but then Faguli who I, I spoke about last a uh, couple of weeks ago, is emerging as my favorite Galatasaray player right now, swooped in with a delightful cross into the box, pinpoint pass into Adem Buick's chest, who, who gracefully clutches it in his, in his chest and then slides down and gives it that really sublime finish. Um, and he just popped up and just I was just going absolutely crazy. I was locked in a, in a meeting room at the time. Uh, because I, I booked it out for the remainder of the second half. And I was just like jumping up about, there was frosted glass, thankfully, so nobody could see me from the other side. But I was like jumping about, jumping, 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 going insane. Um, so Adem, Bjergsen, and happy birthday, happy belated birthday, because you really deserve to party that night. Thank you so much. Um, I've actually ra raved about Adem for, for, for some time, for the last few seasons. Um, I know he's, he's over 30 now, he's not exactly like a bright talent, but He's one of the most underrated Turkish footballers of the last few seasons. I think he's been consistently good for the clubs he's been playing for. And I'm really glad that he's got the ch chance now to uh, shine at a big club. And that scoring that goal must really make him feel uh, like, he's, like he's part of the Jimon family again. Because I know he had a lot of criticism from some fans when we signed him. But I think all those voices are going to be uh, very much silenced now. Yeah, it's just a typical Turkish chaotic, chaotic game. So... Um... I, I was shocked at the massive mistake that Luyendama made for the first goal. Um, I actually didn't think that uh, the second yellow that Emmer got was actually a yellow. I didn't think he really touched them. And um, the yellow for Umut, because he, he was angry at uh, Enzonzi or Marcao, I don't know which one it was. I think it was Enzonzi acting like he got hit uh, on the chest. Marcao. Marcao, okay. Um yeah, it was it it was like a traditional Turkish uh, Turkish uh, shitfest. I haven't seen that one in a long time uh, after the 
derby games in Trabzon have died off in intensity. Um, but I have to give props to Adam Buke for finishing the ball. Uh, it was a really good, uh, a really good touch, and uh, he finished it. And I didn't really think it would be, it would go in, but um, yeah, that's that's just a game. So uh, congrats to Galatasaray. Yeah, I think the the Markau incident, it, he collapsed like he'd been shot in the back of the head by a sniper. It was really ridiculous fall, and it was very very harsh on Amor Bullet to get the yellow there, um, and particularly. In the first half, if you think about the referees' inconsistencies, in the first half, uh, Belhanda, I think, could have easily seen a red card for he kind of left his foot behind on, on one of the guys as he was coming down. And that looks pretty... He, kick, he basically, yeah, he kicked him. The guy was um, already on the floor and he was, walks past him and he just right. kicks him in the back. Right, right, right. And then he kind of makes it look kind of playful when he finally gets up. But that, that, was, that, that kind of behavior just needs to be cut out because he does it all the time. I don't know if he, this guy has a screw loose or what, but or he or as I've as I've described him before as being like a Trojan horse trying to sabotage Galatasaray from right from well, within. Uh, but so, I was are, sorry, livid, livid sorry, by sorry that, to interrupt by you, but I, I had Go a Galatasaray fa- fan tell me on Twitter that that's just passion, that that wasn't normal. Uh, that was just oh, the no. yellow card was enough there apparently for that. No, I, no, well I disagree with that completely. That's not the kind of passion I want to see. I want to see passion with the guys scoring goals making assists, helping the team out, behaving in a way that is, uh, that, ju- that, is, that, is that justifies the, the colours that he's wearing. And I don't think he's doing that at all. I can't remember a single good, uh, good, good game where it's been right. It's thanks to Belhanda that we won that game. But I don't want to go, go off into in, off a tangent here. Um, <laughs> well, just, a, just a quick in- interjection on passion. I think you can have cases of passion when you're in a duel and you're lose you can move you can lose your head for a couple of for a fraction of a second when you're in the middle of a of a duel or something like that when a guy is laying on the floor and you're walking behind him and then you kick him in the back that is not passion that is deliberately being an absolute asshole i'm sorry if you call that passion you have shit in your eyes now uh secondly mark cow's position i was told that that was an elbow an elbow in his chest Burak, was that an elbow in Markov's chest? Uh, no, he, he's obviously been uh, learning from Jagne before he left for Bruges uh, in how to go down extremely easily. You can understand why he did it, because he's looking to fool the referee. But it was, you know, very light contact, and he, he made the most of it. And, you know, what, what more can I say? Um... I don't think it was um, as severe as he made it out to be. Um, Emre Moore's second, card, his second yellow card. Um, I'm not sure if he got it for dissent when he, you know, threw his arm at that the ref. Um, so I think it was for that rather than the challenge because I do think the challenge had much yellow card written all over it. Maybe the referee just wanted to to send off a Galatasaray player because um, I thought he'd lost control of the match. But it was a heated match with lots of incidents going on. So I think he kind of lost his concentration. And maybe he wanted to even the the numbers up a little bit. Um, and also the the first goal that Babel had disallowed for offside. I've, I've looked at it and I've looked at the VAR and the lines they drew on the pitch. And that was extremely tight. Um, That's the I second can, one I think that you're talking about now. Because the first one was pretty clear. Oh no, the the offside goal where Emre Mora was off, offside yeah, and he played the ball in. 
Yeah, yeah that, that was the second one. But they had a first goal disallowed as well for yeah. when Babel was offside. And he looked on to me, uh, to be fair. So I'm not sure if his nose was offside or um, I thought that was an extremely tight call. But um, kudos to Arden Buke. Um, he took his goal beautifully. Um, the chest and the finish. Um, so what what can I say? It was a, it was a chaotic game. And having watched it back, there's I don't think there's anything too like crazy about it. Um, I just think the referee needed to stamp his authority on it a little more. Uh, I think he's a young referee, um, the chap that was in charge. Mm, yeah, um, so in his mid thirties or so. I, yeah, I think the main issue is not really the referee here, though, because I think we're all when we're watching this match, we're like, "Oh my god, this guy!" I mean, I know I was livid, especially that second yellow card for Abdel Nur. I thought it was absolutely ridiculous because if you look at it, what happens is uh, he has his arm up like a stupid idiot, so no argument with the penalty. But Babel actually, his arm is already up, and Babel actually heads it into his arm. So there's no way in, 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 in there's no way that that's intentional because. Yeah, he's got his arm up, and maybe he had initially the intention to play the ball with his arm, but clearly he didn't get it, but then the he- the ball gets hit against his arm from super close range, so there's no way that that was an intentional movement for the ball, because the arm was already there. So in my opinion, at the time, I thought, that's why is that yellow? He gets the ball headed against his, his arm, that's ball to arm, that's not a yellow card, because yellow card is supposed to be for an intentional handball. That's what I thought. I was wrong, though, because... Apparently, since the start of this season, one of the additions to these new rules is that if you handle the ball, intentional or not, it's not important, in the box, and it's a shot that's going towards goal, a header or a shot, doesn't matter, it's always a yellow card or a penalty, unless, of course, the, bo- the arm is next to your body or something. So, But if your arm is in an unnatural position, whether it's intentional or not, it's automatically a yellow card. If it's going towards goal, because it's uh, a cl- that's uh, mm, depraving the opponent of a, of a clear goal-scoring opportunity or something like that. So it was a correct decision by the referee. As for you know the the Umut Bulut one, the first one, and the Pedro Henrique one, the first one, I think we've spoken about this in the past couple of weeks, where the referees are instructed when there's protest to give out a minimal of one card. So I don't think the referee really lost control. I think he was just following the guidelines and he, you know, Umut went to protest when they were checking VAR. And why is he doing that? There's, that's pointless. You're trying to influence the referee's decision, I guess. But it's pointless because he's already called over. He's gonna go either way. And I, it's, it's, it's annoying because it's causing a lot of red cards in the last couple of weeks. I don't know if you guys have been noticing. There have been a lot of second yellows. And usually all of those are because of one of them at least is from protest. And there are also a lot of those are in quick succession, like within 10 minutes of each other. And they're all kind of the same. Like, first one's for protest, second one, they make a stupid fall or something. So, yeah, the referee, it could appear like he kind of lost control, but he really was just following the guidelines from this season, and you can't really fault him for that. It was just, players just have to get uh, used to it still, and they have to learn to stop complaining. The only player that can go up to uh, the referee is the captain and only in certain uh, in certain situations I don't think you are ever allowed to approach the ref or complain against the fourth official or whatever when there's a VAR check I think that's simply off limits 
all the excitement and adventure of the game aside, it is quite disappointing to think that we had to wait for Kaiser to go down to 10 men before we actually won this game in the 99th eight. minute. Te- eight, mate, sorry. Eight, yeah, eight men, sorry. Yeah, I, d- I don't know what I was thinking there. Uh, yeah, like, like I keep saying, I keep losing count of the red cards. But um, yeah, that is some, that's a real cause for concern. Um, on the other side of the coin, though, that kind of desperate, chaotic football that we played at the end of last season, we're already playing now. And that's the kind of thing that kind of uh, brings the team together in a way. So maybe it's kind of a good way to gel, especially the new transfers at this stage. So you can kind of see it in a positive way as well. But uh, other than that, nothing else to add. But is it going to work against 11 men, though? That's the question. Now you had a... Well, yeah, exactly. Basically, you had a we'll, two-man we'll advantage for 20-plus minutes. Yeah, is, is it definitely a yellow card offence for what the Kaisersport player got sent off for, the, the babble header that hit him on the arm? I mean, it's yeah. definitely a penalty under the new laws. Yeah. I can't find anywhere in the EFAB rules that that's a yellow cardable offence. Well, that's the problem with the EFAB rules is that you don't... The guidelines aren't published. They are only given out to the refs. But I, I, I think I saw, sent you a print screen of uh, Danny McAlee, who uh, explained this rule. Um, this guideline or rule, however you want to call it. Uh, and he's the referee that uh, was the VAR for the World Cup, I believe. So he knows. Um, yeah, so anyway, the rule is if you handle the ball with your arm, you know, in, a, in an awkward position and you block a shot at goal, whether it's intentional or not intentional, it's a yellow card and a penalty. So this was correct. And I was I was wrong. I, I was firmly believing this was wrong. That like I, I completely, I was like, Penalty, okay, 100%. No argument. But yellow, that's ridiculous. And last season it would have been. This season it's not. This season is the rule. So it's definitively a correct decision. So this ref had a good game in on paper, at least. Whether you whether he lost control or not in, in other situations. and But the, I think the yellow cards uh, were all correct on paper. But whether we agree with giving players a yellow straight away for a little bit of protest, that's a different matter. But we have to also agree, I think, that it, it, in Turkey especially, the, the, the protesting at times really gets out of control. So maybe this is not a bad thing. I mean, I think that uh, giving a yellow for protesting is a good thing. But as you said, if you start giving yellows for protesting in Turkey, you're going to end the match with like seven guys on the pitch. <laughs> so, But the, the, the bad thing about this is it's going to lead to uh, arguments between fans on, uh, on whatever is deemed to be protesting and whatever is deemed to be, you know, just, just talking to the ref. Because every team has like that two players that just hound the ref every time the ball is stopped. And um, it's going to lead to a, to a shit show in one derby. I, I just... No, it's just for sure. Probably like a Fener Galatasaray derby or something. Yeah, for sure. I mean, but I think right now, for example, I can't really think of one. For example, Galatasaray, you know, because they, they don't really have Turks anymore. <laughs> so, you know, I, I can't really think of one of their players. Well, maybe Belhanda because he's an idiot. But the rest of them, I think, is pretty are pretty, uh, well, chill to, to a certain extent. Emre, Emre, Mor, Emre Mor will get involved, well, definitely. I don't, think it, I don't think he can even speak Turkish, to be honest. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, we, we always have Hasan Shash and Umit Davala on the side who can jump onto the field to, to yeah, uh, well, get involved if that happens. I think Umit Davala actually got sent off here as yeah, well. Yeah, he got yeah. sent off too. <laughs> <laughs> so, four, so five oh, red man. cards. Uh, but let's, let's move over now to, to Saturday. Uh, we spoke enough about uh, this is referee controversy, yes or no. Uh, but anyway, 
I would like to apologize to Galtrai fans if I offended you by saying I, that it was a ridiculous decision for that second yellow card. I was not aware of the rule change. Do have to point out, lots of Galtrai fans were in my mentions, and everything you guys said was ridiculous. It has nothing had nothing to do with the new rules, what you guys were saying. That was not an intentional handball, it's something certain people were saying. No way in hell. And then other people were saying that it was reckless play. Don't think you know the definition I'm, of reckless. I'm going to go and take a look at those comments. I must have missed that one. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's move over Saturday. Konya Spor and Antalya Spor played 2-2 to draw. Serdar Uskan got the scoring started here in the 10th minute for the away side, scoring from a penalty kick. Uh, then Milosevic had a goal disallowed for Konya Spor after a handball in the build-up by that same Milosevic. He then played the ball into uh, Riyad Bajic, I believe. The ball ended up back with Milosevic, and this was like, I don't know, 20 seconds after the initial handball or, or 15 seconds after the initial handball. And he scored a really nice goal, uh, Demi Milosevic, but then got this loud by VAR for that handball in uh, build-up. We saw something similar last season with uh, Vedat Muric when he was still playing for Chaiko Rizespor. Some of you may remember. Uh, but then Riyad Bajic actually did get on the score sheet in the 60th minute, putting scores level once again, 1-1. And in the 75th minute, 19-year-old Farouk Mira, a young Nigerian player, put Konya Sport 2-1 in front. And you think, well... Konya have this in the back, but no, in the 84th minute, Paul Mukairu scored this 2-2 equalizer, putting the full-time scoreline on the scoreboard. Uh, Konya Sport 2, Antalya Sport 2, Konya Sport, I believe, still winless, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they drew last week against Galtry. I think they also drew on match day one, if I'm not mistaken. Brock, yeah. what did you think of uh, Aykut's uh, team right now, uh, and, and what did you think of this match? Uh, just before it, they have drawn all three games uh, so far. Um, I could and they team... won at home in eight games, by the way, apparently. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, that's okay. Um, so, yeah, so their home form needs definitely addressing. I'm not sure what the attendance is like for them. Um, I thought the penalty for Antalya was very soft. I think uh, Sardar has kind of got his feet tangled up with Ali Turan, and he threw himself to the ground, um, made the most of it to try and get the penalty, and he did... So I thought that was a very soft penalty. Um, I thought uh, the goal from Faruk Mira and uh, the Antalya player's goal, his name I've forgotten, both fierce shots. Um, looking at it, I think a draw was uh, kind of a, a fair result. Um, great call on the VAR to rule out Minosevic's goal, which is a shame because he showed some great strength to, to fight off the Antalya players and you know, go through and eventually score. But that was a correct call. So that's uh, a use of VAR. That was that was good in in that respect. Um, Konya, I don't think they're going to hit the heady heights of, of of last year unless they can they sort their home form out really and start um, putting together some results against teams that are around sort of their position. You know, between like the sixth down to like the twelfth, thirteenth position. Um, as for Aykut, um I know it's like a typical Konya performance for me. Um, a little bit of attack, you know, some okay midfield play. Um, they do have some good players on, on the pitch there, especially in Faldok Mira. I think he's going to prove a handful for, for teams, especially if he can keep rattling off shots like he did uh, for the 2-1 um, goal that he scored. But on looking at the, the game as a whole, I thought a draw was pretty much a, a fair result. And no teams have too much to complain about, although I emphasise Konya probably should feel hard done by for the, the penalty. And there, there was no 
players screaming out to the ref as well when Sardaros Kern went down. Yeah. Jakub, what did you think of the penalty? Um, do, do you agree with Burak or do you think it was a penalty? I wasn't really quite sure if it was a penalty, but I don't know. To, today with the, with the VAR, you just have to go like, sure, it, was, it probably was a penalty. But I, I do think that players in Turkey seem to go down really easy. Um, but I, 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 I don't remember. I, I thought it was. Uh, I haven't made. I, ha- I haven't made a note, so I probably thought it was. It was a penalty. Uh, but no, I, I, I just see. I just see. Uh, I, I'm looking at my notes. Um, the I didn't uh, see a different view. I wasn't really sure it was a penalty, but uh, the view was like really far from what happened. So if it was maybe a close view, we could uh, see like a bit better. But yeah, that's just what it is. We didn't get a lot of angles from no. what I saw. He, Ali, he was already going down, and then Ali Turan, I think it was, his leg was kind of in between Serda's legs, but he was already going down at that point, so Burak may have a point. Uzra, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I thought it was a trip, actually. Uh, um, for me, it was a penalty. Ali Turan was just being kind of slow and clumsy with the trip, and I, it looked like a foul. Anywhere else, it would have been given a foul for sure, so I think the penalty is the right decision. Uh, well, Konyaspor kind of, I don't know, did we expect more from them building up back with Aykut Kojaman? They had that amazing third place finish a couple of years ago. And of course, Aykut went back to Fenerbahce after a year. He came back. I'm sure people at Konya expected that their meteoric rise would continue. They you know, they won the cup with Aykut, I believe. They had third place finish. They had some really... They had like two years in the Europa League. Obviously, one of them wasn't with Aykut, but... Um, yeah, just generally speaking, do you think they'll be uh, disappointed with um, with, with Aykut's return so far, or do you think Konya Sports fans are kind of satisfied with where they are at the moment, Burak? I think they probably are reasonably satisfied, but expecting a little bit more. I don't think they can expect a great deal of, of very good things, especially with the rise of the other teams. Uh, from Anadolu around us, like the likes of Alanya Sport, who are currently the league leaders, um, Antalya as well, uh, they played well last season. So I think, they, like I said, I think they're going to struggle to get into that top eight this season, personally. Um, and I think the fans should really lower their expectations. Okay, let's move over to the other match on Saturday. Well, only two more matches on Saturday, actually. Gustepe playing Denizli Sport. Denizli Sport were one of two, one of a few teams, actually, that still were on maximum points. They had six points out of their first two matches. Gustepe, I believe, uh, were... Yeah, they had lost twice, if I'm not mistaken. So they were still on zero points. So this match ended in a 0-0 draw, but it could have been very different. Um, first and foremost, one of the highlights was Hugo Rodallega's disallowed goal. Um, he basically went around the goalkeeper Beto, but there was some kind of collision. I think he might have hit him slightly in the head or something. He went around the goalkeeper, scores, goal got disallowed by VAR. Uh, then a little bit later in the 73rd minute, Thiago Lopez saw his second yellow card after he initially had gotten booked in the 38th minute, and that was a penalty was awarded. Suner Aydudu stepped up to the plate, but for the third week in a row, Polish goalkeeper Adam Stakowiak saved a spot kick. It also, of course, means that for the third week in a row, the Nizlispor have given away a penalty. Uh, so Stakowiak, an absolute penalty killer right now, 3 for 3. 
that's phenomenal from his part, but Denise's poor, that's gonna sooner or later end up biting them in the ass, giving away all those penalties. Gustepe will be will feel hard done not to have won this match, should have scored that penalty, of course, should have gotten their first three points. Uzzer, I'm going to throw to you first, because I know you have a special place in your heart mm. for Gustepe. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think you mentioned before about Konya Sports fans expecting and wanting more from their team. I think it's definitely true for Gustepe. Because as we say, week in, week out, they have everything in place to be uh, a successful club, but they're just not firing in all cylinders. In fact, they're firing in, in like two cylinders, you know? Gustepper have been really disappointing at the end of last season and have started this season pretty poorly as well. Um, I think Roddy, in this game, particularly Roddy Yeager, goal was unfairly disallowed by VAR. I looked at it a million times and I just couldn't really see enough meaningful contact on, on Beto's face. He, it looked to me like he was holding his face because to hide from, to hide from his shame because he came so far out and he totally messed up the save and Roddy Yeager just tapped it in fair and square. So... I think Gustafa were actually lucky to get away with this one. Um, the foul on there was a foul on Yasin Ostekin shortly after that too, which in the penalty box where he was also hit in the face by by a Denizli defender using his arm or whatever. That to me looked like that could have been given a penalty, but the ref didn't even go to VAR that time. So again, another inconsistency there. But uh, Gustafa at home struggling again. Um, I'm worried. I'm worried. I'm worried that we're. We're not seeing them firing in all cylinders this early on in the season. I was hoping they were going to start the season with a bit more, bit more flair. He needs more Cameron Jerome. <laughs> where, where, where is this guy? What's he been up to? Because the only player I'm, I'm seeing who's of any, um, any quality is, is, um, is it Akpana? Halil Akpana, who's, uh, who's a player I really like. I think he's very underrated. But yeah, the Cameron Jerome effect uh, is. Um, it's not. It's not anywhere to be seen. No, it's real. It's a. It's a. It's a. It's a thing. It's a, it's a curse. Uh, you know that Burak put on Gustepe last season after Cameron Jermone, I think, got somebody sent off, a Fenerbahce player or something. Wasn't that something like that, Burak? It. It was something like that. But <laughs> hashtag uh, Cameron Jerome effect. And I don't think he was even on the bench uh, this weekend. So I, I don't know what's happened to him. He, he's probably out at, at the beach somewhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah, still holidaying in Cheshire. So two big talking points here. One, the Hugo Rodallego, uh, Rodallega disallowed goal. And then, of course, the missed penalty. Jakub, most importantly, that Rodallega goal, what did you feel like? Was that a correct decision to disallow that? Was there a fall on Beto? Nah, you know, if, if we didn't have VAR, I would, I, would I would have thought, like, okay, he, he couldn't see it because it was, like, a bit far from him. But after seeing it in VAR from a different angle, it never should have been disallowed. It, it as uh, as one of you guys said, I uh, I don't remember which one. Um, I think he, he Beto just went to the ground and was like, "Oh fuck, I didn't get this one." And let me act like I got hit in the face, and it was like just a little bit of water that splashed off of the pitch. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Yeah, that 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 goal should just have counted. Yeah, for for to me, it even looked like he was like face palming, like, oh, what did I do? I didn't get the ball or something. More, yeah. more like that than rather than he got hit in the face. Puck, what did you think? I think it was ridiculous. Um, Rod Eger just wanted to go past Beto to get the ball and his, his South American rear end just happened to hit him because it's so big and muscular. That's not his fault. He's built that way. So, like I say, a Beto, I think the goal, he benefited from goalkeepers getting the benefit of the doubt in these sort of occasions. They seem to be untouchable for some reason. 
but he didn't intentionally barge him out of the way. He just wanted to run past him to get the ball and put it in the back of the net. So I think Dennis can feel hard done by. I think Yasin at the end, just sh- showing what, you know, pistic that he is, trying to dive and get the penalty. Never liked him. Horrendous haircut. Um, and I thought the the penalty that Ghost ever got was soft as well, personally. Um, the guy seemed to do like a gymnastic somersault um, after he got a bit of contact to try and fool the ref and it worked. So for me, that wasn't a penalty. That was another soft one. So I'm, I'm glad that the Denzel Sport keeper saved it. Let's move over to Besiktas against Chaiku Rizespor. This match ended all square 1-1. The opening goal was scored here by Oljan Chalayan. A fantastic little Trivela finish from Oljan Chalayan. It was a really, if you haven't seen it, go out of your way to check it out. It was a fantastic goal. Of course, the week, you know, the week that Besiktas sent Quaresma packing, they conceded Trivela goal. It, it must be karma of some sort. Uh, but then Domagoj Vida pulls things level in the 53rd minute. Uh, and then you think Bishtesh will surely find a winner in uh, the remaining four, 40 or so minutes. But uh, there was one really big opportunity for George Kevin Nukudu. But he somehow managed to blast it over from really close range. It was uh, probably the miss of the season so far. Uh, but this match ended all square. And the main talking points coming out of this match was... Uh, Victor Ruiz with uh, a potential penalty fall on uh, one of the Riza players. I forgot who it was, but uh, basically the guy headed the ball, the ball past Ruiz and then he kind of barged, well, he bumped into Ruiz's arm. Uh, I don't necessarily think Ruiz could have gone anywhere, but his arm was up. So that's kind of uh, interesting, something worth of discussing. And then, of course, in the third minute of stoppage time, Nukudu got a yellow card. Should it have been red? That's the big question being asked right now because, of course, last week we saw John Michael Siri of Galtrai getting sent off for something very similar. And then a couple of minutes later, Nukudu, already on a yellow card, basically steps on the back of uh, Gokhan Akan, the goalkeeper's foot, while racing for the ball at uh, near the corner flag. Uh, so that could have easily been a second yellow card that wasn't given. Um, apart from that... Before I'm going to give the word to you guys, I thought Bishlesh were very impressive in the first half. They Their pressing was Borussia Dortmund-esque, almost Barcelona-esque, but I'm not that not that advanced, but definitely Borussia Dortmund-esque, where they were recovering almost every single ball within five seconds. Their average recovery time of, a, of the balls was like, a, of the possession was 5.8 seconds, and that probably was that high because after the 30th minute mark or so it lapsed a little bit but in the first half hour it was phenomenal i've never really seen that from a turkish team before not even bashakshi here who abdul afci coached before so it's very clear what afci is trying to implement at besiktas it's gonna take a little while but it looks very promising defensively besiktas have looked quite solid now for the last two games even against sivaspor where they conceded three defensively they look quite good but all three of those goals were individual errors, from uh, one from midfield, one from the goalkeeper, and then one from Quaresma, who doesn't know how to mark. But like the central duo looks good, um, the fullbacks look decent. Defensively, organization-wise, it all looks decent, but Besiktas have a problem scoring goals right now. That's their main issue. Burak Yilmaz, of course, still injured. That's a, that's a huge issue. Um, all in all, I don't know what you... Who who of you watched the full game? I know Burak. I think you watched it. What did you think of Besiktas's gegenpressing in the first half? 
I thought it was very impressive. Everyone were, is working very hard. I think Alfred has got them very uh, well drilled. Um, I know you mentioned it a few times. Ball recovery was very good for them. Often that's what uh, Guardiola imposed at Barcelona. Um, to his players, if you lose the ball, you have to win it back within five to ten, five to ten seconds. I think so. Um, I don't know what kind of conditioning they're doing and if they can keep that up for a full 90 minutes over the course of a season. But... I can say impressed. Janad got himself another assist uh, from his new type of role where he drifts into the centre a little bit more. I think Ruiz, um, that was a forearm to the Rizespor player's face that was straight out of the Khabib Nurmagomedov playbook from the UFC. And he was, I thought he was very lucky not to get sent off personally for that. And let's say Nkudu... Um, he should have been sent off. Now, whether that would have been a combination of two yellow cards, a straight red card for the first challenge, he was lucky to end the game on the pitch. But if Avja can make some more tweaks and he can you know, try and get someone to score some goals for you, try and get put up back as soon as possible, uh, I think it should be another a decent season for, for Besiktas. I think just the conditioning is going to be the, the telltale as well and whether the players can keep up this style of play. Yeah, and there were also a couple of positions in the first half where Besiktas fans especially were claiming a penalty. I watched the full game, but at the time, I remember one of them was where Vida went up for a corner and maybe got a slight push or something. I never really felt like that was a clear penalty. I don't know if one of those... I think there were people were talking about three penalty positions. I honestly can't really think of one, mm. ones that were super stood out except for that Vida one, and I didn't really think that was a penalty. I don't know, if uh, Burak, if you saw something... Oh, I thought Lenz, half. yeah, Lenz was a th- right. Th- yeah. He was having his um, shirt or his shorts tugged quite, you know, evidently, and you could see it on the replay that the business yeah. player had a handful of his kit. So usually that gets picked up on by the referees, and especially VAR because you can't do that in a penalty area. And I think business were all lucky. Was it in the box though? Because I, I wasn't clear on that. I did see a, a clip of that, but I don't. That's the thing. I don't remember it from watching the game live, and then I saw the clip pass by like uh, on Twitter or something, but I don't know if it was actually in the box. It's one of those things where, you remember a couple of weeks ago with the Ryan Babel handball in the wall, and then it gets talked about that that was a penalty and stuff, and I don't remember exactly if that was actually in the, the area, because in those clips you don't see if it's in the area, you just see what's happening, and obviously clear that was a clear handball, and obviously you know, Lens getting tucked down was, was, was pretty obvious, but if that's in the box, then there's a var, there's a possibility for a VAR check. If it's outside the box, there's not going to be a VAR check for that because it's just a free kick. Um, it was in it was in the box, so I thought you were unlucky not to, not to okay. get the penalty there. Ozer, uh, your thoughts on um, Besiktas' pressing game in the first half? Uh, um, my, my thoughts on the pressing game, red card. It was 100%, <laughs> it was 100% a red card. Um, and uh, I was absolutely shocked that it wasn't given to be honest it was a very reckless tackle horrid tackle his foot was planted uh, and then just a few moments after that he like attacked the Rizespor goalkeeper so and the ref kind of went up to him as if to say what what the hell are you doing but then didn't show him another card so I don't know how Nkudu got got away with all that stuff but um, you know maybe he, he hasn't played much football in the last two years so maybe he's just a little bit rusty of the rules but um, as for Besiktas' pressing, uh, I think it's if um, if Abdu can get this to become like a sustainable part of the, the team's gameplay, it will be it will be interesting to see because he had 
a lot of time at Bashakshir to kind of implement this style of play. Um, I don't know if he's going to be given that kind of uh, time, that kind of patience, or if even the players are of, of that same kind of um, ability to, to, to kind of pull through what he wants to achieve there. So, I don't know. It's, it's the kind of thing that it's really quite straightforward to get through in a couple of games, but can you keep it up for the rest of the season? That's going to be interesting. I think it's more a case of whether can you get it drilled into the team. Uh, I think it, the, the point is, in the beginning, it's not going to work as well as you think. I think it's... Remember when Pramdeli was trying to implement a three-man back line and stuff like that? Uh, I remember... Yeah, that. yeah, yeah, and that's right. And, and Mancini tried it as well, but it, yeah. it was nothing... That we, we could only keep it going for like a couple of months before before it all fell apart. Yeah, and I remember Bernd Schuster tried it, to doing it at Besiktas too, and the problem with it was back then we had the foreign limit restrictions, and the, the, the main issue, I think, was the Turkish players just didn't get it. I think now with more foreign players and more, and then you have disciplined guys like Gökhan Gunnel, I think that the what we've seen so far is is, is quite it's been impressive, especially in this match. Uh, I, I don't remember ever seeing a Turkish club being able to pull that off so effectively. Uh, but of course, like like Burak pointed out, rightfully so, can they keep it up for 90 minutes? I don't actually think you necessarily have to do that for 90 minutes. I think if you manage to do that in like let's say you you manage to do that in in most games for 60 70 minutes you'll probably be up 2-0 by that point. Obviously, right now, Besiktas having some trouble scoring, but if you can be more efficient, score goals while doing that and keeping it up for 60-70 minutes, I think you will probably have won the match already at that point, and you can probably relax a little bit more, sit a little bit back and try and hit the opponent on the counter. Ideally, of course. Um, Jakub, your thoughts on everything? Nkudu, should he have gotten a straight red um, and, and everything? what we just talked about um yeah i i think he should have gotten a, a straight red but people when you when you try to say to people like i don't know this one should be a red card because he pretty much stepped on his shin they go like oh no but he was challenging for the ball and he was too late I, okay but he still stepped on somebody's shin you know it, i think it should be a red card because um yeah i remember this happening to Trabzonspor uh, again against Besiktas when uh, when Quaresma did this on Yusuf and he got a yellow card and it still pisses me off. It was like four years ago, I think. But um, aside from that, I don't think that Nkudu should have been able to stay on the pitch because um, he he had like a thing with uh, with the Konyaspor uh, uh, no which uh, uh, with with the keeper of Shaykurizespor, which also should have been a yellow. But uh, I don't know. Maybe the ref thought that if I give a red card in Istanbul, it probably might not have a good end. So um, I don't know. I think he should have sent off. He should have been sent off the first time. But afterwards, he should have definitely sent been sent off after his uh, challenge on the keeper. Okay. Now I'm going to point out exactly why. Uh, you, I think you guys are have a, have a good point. By the way, the first challenge could have definitely been a red card. But now some people are asking why wasn't there a VAR check? And I'm going to answer that. The reason last week we saw uh, John Michael Siri get sent off. Initially, he got a yellow card, but then VAR called in the referee. He had to go and check and they gave him a red card. And the question that has come now is, okay, why did that happen to Siri? Why didn't it happen to Nukudu? Answer is very simple. Nukudu stepped on his ankle Siri stepped higher on the shin. And the thing is, 
when you give a yellow card for that, for stepping on someone's ankle, then the, the, the logic is following, is there a clear error or not? With a high boot, there is a clear error, so you can call in the referee for far to give a red card, yes or no, that's still up to the ref, of course. But here, the interpretation is down to the referee. Was it really um, reckless? Because, like Jakub said, many people argue, well, he's going for the ball, but yes, he still stepped on his shin. Now, the thing is, if your your foot is low enough, um, there's a lesser probability of injury. And I know that can be a little bit counterintuitive, but look at it this way. If you step on somebody's ankle, that's a joint, and a joint is going to bend. If you step on somebody's Shin, that's a bone. A bone doesn't bend. So a bone breaks will break quicker than, a, than an ankle will. So the probability of injury is higher. So the guideline that the referees are given, if the fall, if the, 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 the contact is above the ankle, the higher the contact, the, the more likely you'll have to hand out a red card. Well, now, this, 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 is, this is totally insane. If you, if you were to, to step on somebody's foot, which is below the ankle, in a malicious way, you're going to get a red card straight away. Whether it's so, I, the whole joint bone thing is is if this happened to what your your player, you would be screaming for a red card, rightly so. I think it's almost impossible to justify this on a kind of technicality on on. I'm not justifying it. I'm explaining no, I'm saying the rule. why yeah, yeah, yeah. far. I'm did saying not intervene here. Well, there needs to be. I mean, this is a ridiculous rule. If 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 that's the case, and um, because you could break someone's toe. And get away with it. Yeah, and you, you can break get someone's toe check. by just stepping on them, their toe per, per, per accident too. That's not a red card either. A I mean, I think, I think the rational uh, way that the Mister the, I think the way that they think is okay. Football's uh, it's it's a it's a contact sport. You know the, you if you keep if you keep uh, giving red cards to people just stepping on shins. I think this is their way of thinking. You know it it would take off. You know because people always um, do for the ball. And like mishap, mishaps like this happen a lot. You know, maybe not every game, but uh, more than like if someone um, had their foot up, like at someone's chest. So maybe that's the reasoning. Not not per se the the, the joint versus bone thing, but uh, yeah, it's it's a game played with <clears throat> with your feet. You know, so I don't think maybe maybe that's the thing. The, re- they- the reason is. You know, you're, 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 like you said, this is a game played with your feet. You're, you have two people vying for, for the ball. You're both going to go for that ball with your feet. So if, the, you know, the one guy touches the ball before the other guy, it's, it happens a lot. Then yeah, the other the, guy and, steps on the guy's foot. But when you step on somebody's shin, that's not, that's not normal that your foot is that yeah. high when you're trying to challenge for the ball. Yeah, I think the, the, the way is like accident, accidents like that could happen, but... If you kick someone in the balls for accident, that one is just a step too far, you know? Yeah, and of you course, can't, but that's you can't violence. Blame, that's you, something you, completely different. Yeah, right. but you can't blame that on an accident. You can't blame something like overstepping and stepping on somebody's shin as an accident, you know? Yeah, but then, like I said, the higher your foot goes, the, the higher the probability for an injury is how they see it. Plus, I mean, look, when you're vying for a ball that's on the floor and your, your, your foot is 30 centimeters off the ground, what's your foot doing there, you know? Yeah, it's I not agree, a normal I agree place for it. Yeah, I so, agree, I agree gentlemen, I have the EFAB rules up in front oh, of oh, me. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. The and, law is coming. As you know, run, as run you know, the law. I am a man of the law. And let's talk about serious foul play. 
a tackle or challenge that endangers the safety of an opponent or uses excessive force or brutality must be sanctioned as serious foul play. Any player who lunges at an opponent in challenging for a ball from the front, from the side, or from behind using one or both legs with excessive force or endangers the safety of an opponent is guilty of serious foul play. Serious foul play is punishable by a red card. And George Nkudu, Jacuz, you are guilty of serious foul play. Bravo, here, here. Now, here are the IFAP guidelines for the referees, because, like I said before, guidelines and the actual rules are not the exact same thing. Guidelines, so, guidelines. I'm going to have to translate this because I got this from, from Dutch, but... Uh, it's about coming in in a dangerous manner and the um, and and the risk the risk you take on on a serious injury like is being said in the in the IFAP rules. So I showed to I showed both the Siri position last week and I showed this one both in uh, in full time in, in real time the videos I sent them through. And the answer here to that was um this was from a Dutch referee from from Holland by the way. Uh stuff like this happens in uh in 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 the Eredivisie 2, he said both could be read, but the second one, which was serious position, is more read, so to speak. <laughs> but with the first one, if the referee has already given a yellow card, VAR is not going to intervene because it's not a clear error. But the second one is a dark red card and VAR is going to intervene. Well, you know, dark red, whatever, which is, which is the Siri one. Which has to do with the fact that the the ball is uh, that the foot is higher, so the risico to, uh, to so the risk to a serious injury is more significant. So it was a correct decision by the referee. Can't say more than that, guys. Sorry. <laughs> Same guy who who explained to me exactly why um, why the yellow card for Abdenur was the right decision. Now. What this means is if the referee gives a red card to Nukudu, there will there wouldn't be a VAR interjection either. So there's not it's not like if the ref gives a yellow there a red there, VAR wouldn't inter inter intervene and say, hey look, maybe that's a little harsh. Because some that can happen too. Sometimes you know you the referee gives a red card, but VAR says, look, no, I think you got it wrong. That wouldn't happen here. So this is definitely a case where Nkudu could have easily gotten a red card, direct red card for the first challenge. And he, of course, always has to get a second yellow card for uh, tripping, uh, st stepping on a, a Gukhan's uh, heel. So, should Nkudu have gotten sent off in this match? 100%. The, uh, the question is, was there an issue here with VAR? Because that's always the discussion. Why did VAR intervene on Siri? Why did he not intervene here on the Kudu? And the answer is what I just gave to you, basically, because this is not a clear error. Last week was a clear error for the reasons I've just stated. So, should Kudu have gotten sent off? Of course. No argument there. And, uh, think, um, and you need to start calling uh, Siri by his correct name. Not Siri, which is the, the Apple voice-activated helper. <laughs> okay. Um, Brugge, then, motherfucker. Uh, not Bruges. <laughs> uh, oh, and then, of course, yeah, the, the, the Ruiz position. I was very curious about that because when I was seeing I was like, hmm. 
why was there no VAR check? And I think there was actually a VAR check because there was a pause and then nothing was would happen to it. So I, I'm curious what you guys think about why there wasn't uh, an intervention by VAR on that position because like Burak said, he definitely had his arm up. Now, the only thing I can think of is because the the guy kind of ran into him, but still, he definitely makes a movement with his arm. And I think it's in the box as well. And there was a VAR check, I think. So what, what do you th guys think is a, the rational explanation for why VAR did not intervene there? Was there going to hand it to I, I have no rational explanation when it comes to anything that concerns VAR, I'm afraid. My, and my comments for this game just were simply red card, which I wrote using a red pen. And I didn't have any other comments about any other major positions. But um, like I said in, in season one at great, great lengths, I'm not a fan of VAR. I think it intervenes too much in the natural flow of the game. It undermines the ability of the referee to make right decisions. I think they rely too much on it. So that's why VAR comes into action too often. Um, and yeah, I don't know if, if it's worth analysing every single position on, the, on, on why VAR came in or didn't come in, but I don't have too much to say on this one, on this particular position. Jakob, what did you think of the, the Ruiz position? I mean, I... I, I... I, I I agree that I don't know that I think uh, that I don't know if why VAR didn't uh, you know um, do something about it. Um, it looked it looked like a it wasn't an elbow it was like his forearm to the throat. But yeah. um, I don't think it was a penalty though. It was it, it seems to be it seemed to be just outside of the box like like really couple centimeters outside of the box. But mm. um, yeah, I haven't watched the whole game. I have only watched the highlights. I. I don't know why okay. he did that though. It was uh, yeah, it didn't make seem, much seems sense. Seems like a seems like a good defender, but it seems mm -hmm. like a really dumb move for such a good defender. Yeah, I think he was gonna run into him anyway. So why put up your arm? Why yeah. put yourself in that position? You know, the and probably that maybe explains it. If it was outside the box, then VAR is gonna VAR was probably checking was it inside the box, and if it was inside the box, then probably they would have come in between and would have awarded a penalty. I don't think it was a red card or book. Like you said, it was not an elbow. It's a, it's a forearm lifted up. I mean, it's not like he punched him in the face. So probably a yellow card position. And again, that probably explains why no VAR then. But if it's in the box, I think it's a penalty. Always. Burak, what did it's you, did definitely you think? a foul, though. Yeah, 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 for 100%. Burak, did you think it was in the box? What, the, the Ruiz forearm? Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, I thought it was in the box, and like I say, it was straight of the out of the Habib Nurmagomedov UFC playbook. So I, that's the question now: Is it in the box or not? I think if it's in the box, then in, it probably wasn't because otherwise you would imagine VAR would have said something because there was a VAR check, so they probably constated that it was outside the box. Then, anyway, um, let's move on. Besiktas get away, get a point. Uh, they'll be disappointed, but at the end of the day, they could have easily lost this match. Um, if, uh, for example, that was in the box. And they could have been down a player. Nkudu should have always gotten sent off. Whether it's a direct red or two yellow cards, I'm going to leave that up in the air. But he should always uh, have been sent off. Let's move over to Sunday results then. On the earlier match on Sunday, Genshterberli squared off with Bashakshir. Bashakshir were still winless after two losses, of course. One in the last minute last week against Fenerbahce. And uh, on match day one, of course, they lost 3-0 to Yeni Malatyaspor. Genshterberli in uh, as well, winless still. And uh, 
they will remain so and they remain the only team in the league winless because this match ended 1-2 in favor for Bashakshir despite the fact that Genshterbali were the team that took the lead in the first half. But before that there was actually a penalty awarded by referee Junai Chakir in the 16th minute but VAR intervened, called him over and resulting from that was that Enzo Crivelli had a uh, well was adjudged to have uh, committed simulation so he received a yellow card the penalty decision was overturned and the match continued Bogdan Stanku then got uh, the scoring started for against Terbali, but his goal was disallowed I'm not 100% clear if there was a fall or a handball or if it was offside um, didn't look at it multiple times actually Bad homework for me. Then in the 36th minute, Giovanni Gianciò put Genshterbali... What a mouthful. Put Genshterbali 1-0 up in the 36th minute. But then in the 83rd minute, Bajakshir won another penalty. This one was not overturned. Then Baba stepped up, converted and put the 1-1 score sheet on the scoreboard. Then in the 90th minute, Edin Vischa finally does something right this season and gets a goal in and puts Bashakshir 2-1 up and that was a full-time scoreline. Bashakshir get their first three points, their first points uh, period of the season. Can Sherbali remain on zero as I already pointed out. Jakob, I'm going to point to you first. What were your general thoughts on this match? Um, I really like uh, Irhan Jan. Um, I like the way he plays. He dribbles, he dribbles really nicely and he, he keeps his head up uh, compared to a lot of Turkish players. Um, who just concentrate on the ball. Um, I like the way that games really uh, positioned themselves. Um, they had some great build-up play. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get more and more pissed off of the of the VAR. I, uh, in, especially in this game, it, 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 it looked like they intervened like every 10 minutes. It, it, it almost seemed like that. Um, but yeah, Basak Shehir... Um, after losing, uh, after losing Abdul and um, keeping keeping key players as Irfan Jan and uh, uh, and Visha, it's kind of weird to see them play um, not 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 be as good as last year. It's uh, to be fair, it's like two games, like three games. But um, I think uh, they will they will return to their form eventually. I thought uh, Bashak Shehir were quite lucky to get the winner in the the last minute with the the goal by Visca. But it's uh, you could say maybe it's a potential return to form now for Vishka after he had that, um, that miss last last week. Um, it's just it's Bashakshi here, isn't it? Um, who likes them really? Come on, guys! Um, I know we, we've apparently we've sourced a Bashakshi fan, but I don't think they're going to be anywhere near the the title race this season, and they're going to struggle to get into the the European places. Yeah, Uzzer, what do you think about Bashakshir? Is this like their one season too many? Is Okan Buruk uh, kind of set up for failure in the early on? Uh, potentially, yeah. I think they're I think they're worn out mentally. I don't think they've got the capacity to reach or the stamina to reach the heady heights of last season. Um, and I think Genshler really to be on zero points at this stage is kind of uh, not very reflective of their performance. I think they played some good football over the last three games, and uh, I think they need to. I don't know what's really missing for them to, to start converting these into points, but in terms of gameplay, they're not too bad. Um, and I, I actually thought they were going to win this game, to be honest. Yeah, I think mainly discipline. Uh, first two matches, they got uh, red cards. Uh, and then, of course, here they, they give away that penalty. So uh, I think they just have to sharpen their, their def 
their defense a little bit, be more careful, more disciplined, don't take those uh, stupid red cards and don't give away stupid penalties. Let's move over to uh, Sivaspor against uh, Ghazi Shehir. Ghazi Shehir, of course, after match day one, losing, uh, was it 5-1? Uh, 5-0, I think, against uh, Fenerbahce. So we all kind of thought, like, ooh, this doesn't look too good for them. But then they got a win last week, and now they got another point because they get a 1-1 draw in Sivas. Patrick Tuamezi getting the score... Tuamezi yeah. getting the scoring started in the 35th minute, putting uh, Gazishi here 1-0 up. But Aruna Kone coming off the bench, scored the equalizer for Sivaspor in the 72nd minute. Not a lot of controversy, not a lot to talk about in terms of positions, I think. Uh, Sivaspor played a good match. Emre Kilinch, probably man of the match, but didn't get on the score sheet. Quick thoughts uh, on this match, Burak. I thought it was a really good uh, goal for Gazishi here. He fooled the keeper uh, quite well at the near well, almost like he gave him the eyes that he was going to go the other way and then put it into the, the near post. Um, I don't think the, the Sivas penalty claim or wasn't a penalty. Um, the guy's arm was in a natural position by his side as the ball came in off his knee. So I don't think uh, that was the, that was a correct call on my behalf. But yeah, um, I mean, Gaza Shehu has shown that maybe they do have the chops about them to, to stay up this season. Um, they've got um, a good, strong team. I know they've signed loads of players, and so the manager's trying to get them to gel. But I think they will be, they'll prove quite tough for a lot of the other Anadolu uh, teams in the league just because they, they've got a very strong team. Um, they might resort, resort to some dirty tactics along the way, um, a lot of muscling people off the ball, shirt tugging, pulling, etc. I expect them to get a few more red cards this season. Uh, this season. But yeah, um, a decent showing from uh, Gaza here, I thought. Yeah, they signed Yeah, they signed a bunch of players. They were linked with um, Manuel Fernandez recently as well. But it looks like they're not going to sign him. Um, no, they signed Oh, did he? Okay, well, there you go. Um, yeah, I mean, not really much, much to add for them. I think um, they're adding a little bit of colour to the league and... Yeah, they they had a quite a um, an adventurous rise into the into the Super League. I think from memory last year, did they win the playoffs? They won the playoffs against um, who was it? I don't remember now. But um, yeah, they play some they play some interesting football. Yeah, it's really Gaziantepspor uh, Re- rebranded. Two, yeah, exactly. 2.0. Exactly. And they have some interesting players um, for sure. I, I, I think against Fenerbahce it was just a case of being 3-0 down after right, like 20 minutes or something. So, But they don't look like a bad side. Uh, Jakob, your quick thoughts on uh, this match? I mean, the only real thought I had was like, oh my God, <clears throat> Kone is still playing. I remember him playing for PSV like 10 plus years ago. Um, yeah, with the blonde hair. Yeah. Um, the goal that he made... Uh, the, I thought it uh, that the keeper should have caught that one. It was like a really weird one. A um, couple questionable decisions by Usain Gocek. But uh, as you guys already said, I, I, I really like the game. It's, it's really uh, that goal, that goal, that goal, that goal. It was really just a lot of action. And I think it's a lot said about this match. Let's head over to the main event of match day three. Fenerbahce, Trabzonspor. Arguably the two best teams in the league right now. Um, playing to a 1-1 draw. Fenerbahce here getting the scoring started in the 17th minute through Gary Rodriguez. But Kalip Ikuban put the equalizer on the score sheet just 10 minutes later. And that would end up being the full-time scoreline. But 
it wasn't a boring game at all. It was back and forth. I counted seven, including the goals, seven good goal-scoring opportunities for Fenerbahce. I counted three for Trabzonspor. There were also potential penalties, one for Fenerbahce, one for Trabzonspor. Um, Burak, I'm going to throw to you first your thoughts, please, on this match. I thought it was a, a great game for the neutral to, to watch. Um, first half, Fenerbahce, we sprinted out of the blocks, um, attacking down the wings, um, some good passing. Emra doing a good job in the midfield. Um, Max Cruiser doing a, a good job as we got up front, being a little bit of an anchor and pivoting and playing the ball out to the wings. I think we uh, deservedly to, took the lead. Um, a great ball in from Mavax from the left. Um, a good finish by uh, Gary uh, with his nice little driving Mario Kart celebration, whatever he's doing. Um, uh, the penalty shout that we had, um, I've looked at it lots of times. And, and for me, under the rules, that's that's a penalty for me. Um, I know we might you know, be discussing that a little bit later on. And I thought we we dominated the the first half, but obviously Trubs on hit us on the break. Um, great cross by by Donis and an excellently taken header by um, Ekuban. Um, like I say, the, a game of the goalkeepers. I thought Orjan made some some great saves, and Altai made some great saves in one on one situations. He he stood up, didn't go to ground too quickly, made his body big, um, almost putting off the the attacker as attackers as they went through to shoot on goal. I thought second half, uh, we tired, especially with a, a tiring Emre Belezolo. Uh, Trabzonspor really came into their own in, in the second half and really pressed us. Um, it could have gone either way at, at the end, to be fair. Either team could have won it. Um, but I think looking at it, looking at the 1-1, even though Fenerbahce were the more dominant team in the second half, um, we were still put under pressure by, by Trabzon in their, their counter-attacks. And we have to remember they're playing without um, Abdulkader Amur, who's arguably one of their, their best players for creativity. And they're, they're still missing Daniel Sturridge, of course, who's uh, yet to come to the team. Um, we're still playing with makeshift defence, um, who are doing OK. But you can see their frailties against um, a, a class team like Trabzon. Um, maybe they're OK for the games that we for our, for our first two games that we played, but they were really stretched. And you, know, you can see that showing. Um in the end, I think 1-1 is pretty a fair result. Um, if you had said Fenerbahce deserved to win, of course I would agree, just because we had more possession and we, we played more passes. But you can play all the passes you want. If you can't put the ball in the back of the net, then it counts for nothing, really. Um, we wasted some great goal-scoring chances, especially with Tolga Giorgi, uh, when he was through on goal. He should have squared it to his teammate, but he saw the headlines and the headlights, the, the flash before his eyes, and he went for a shot. Um, so after his great pass last week for the Vedat Moric goal, he was left, left wanting. But he's had an OK game, OK you know, time. It's good to see him playing his football. Um, I thought the support from the fans was great. Um, it's good to see Ali Koch and Ahmed Aoulou shake hands before the game. Um, there's been a bit of bad blood between Fenar and Trabzon throughout the years. Um, but it was good to see the the chairman almost uh, no making a statement before the game started, and I think we you know we head into the international break and hopefully we'll get the transfers in place and get them playing together. But a great match, uh, very nervous whilst watching it, and what can I say? Um, disappointed to only come away with a with a point, 
but also happy that we didn't lose. But in the grand scheme of things, those are the types of games that we really should be winning if we want to end the season as champions. But it, it's no shame to draw against a tri- uh, team like Trobs in that manner. Uh, I look forward to the revanche at the, the of the Akash. Akihazi or Chanel Gunish Stadium or whatever you want to call it, but it's not Avniakar anymore. <laughs> well, it, spiritually, it will always be Avniakar. So. Jakob, your thoughts? A, a 1-1 draw in Kadiko, never a bad result, but did you feel that there was more in it? No, yeah. No. Um, the, I, I, before the game started, I thought like this, this wouldn't go, this would, this wouldn't go really well. Um, we were obviously missing uh, Abdul Kader Umur, and uh, the team is really tired after playing like four, like four matches in fifteen days or something. Um, but um, yeah, uh, I, I, I expected um, Fenerbahce to uh, put on the pressure in the first couple of minutes because that's just the way. Um, Arsenal uh, pushes his uh, players to play, especially in big matches. And um, I was I was pretty afraid the first couple of minutes. And uh, I thought, uh, well, as long as, as as this keeps going like this, it's going to be a massacre. But it it, it, it didn't really. Um, I imagined uh, watching the game that uh, if we had a shot on goal, that it would be a goal immediately, like the first shot we had. And that seems to be proven right. Um but for Trabzon, for I yeah, I, I really liked the game, but it, it just showed that we are really missing a really proper defensive midfielder. Um, we played with uh, with Sosa as an attacking as a, nay, as a midfielder, and Abdulkadir Parmak as a defensive defensive midfielder with Ekoban in front. And um, I've, I've seen a heat map of the game after uh, like uh, with the position of each players, and Abdulkadir Parmak is pretty much invisible. He played way too forward. It was shown when uh, when Fenerbahce was crossing the field. It was like three passes. It was really easy to come to the goal. Um, but um, except except all those things, I really liked the play that uh, that, that the guys had. Um, since we had you uh, uh, know coaching the team, we haven't lost in like seven der- derby matches since like the first game against uh, Galatasaray. We won four 0 Ever since we lost only one against Galatasaray. Uh, we lost once, once again, Galatasaray, and the rest of them we either drew or won. So I was, I was, I was pretty confident, to be honest. Um, Sosa, that man, man, I love him. Um, it's, it's, he, he's 34 years old. I love, I love to have a, uh, a midfielder that dictates the play, and he does it very well. He's, he has really, really good vision. He was um, a bit too tired in the beginning, <clears throat> and uh, lost the ball. But he picked off. Uh, he, he he picked up back where we uh, where he left, <clears throat> and um, showed pretty good uh, pretty good skill. Um, Sorloth, I I can't believe that that guy is like one ninety one, but uh, because he brings down every ball, but he he is really fast on the ball also. He's, he's he isn't sluggish like a like you expect of a of a tall uh, forward. But, like um, a Fernandao or something. Yeah, like like a like a crouch or something. It's like tall but really really slow. And I like his attacking runs. He always seems to think about the goal. Wakaeme, um, self-explanatory. The guy is just a ball of lightning. He he runs maybe like three times a game. But if he, when he decides when he decides to run, he pretty much passes everyone that is in front of him. Um, 
I really liked Ekuban this game. Uh, he scored he scored a really good goal, and he seems to have matured into his role a bit more. He's stronger on the ball uh, compared to last year, and he seems to have gained a bit of agility. Um, he turned away from from uh, from Emre and I think Ozan like twice, and he seems quicker off the dribble, so that's good to see. Um, I actually think that Hussein and Hosseini in defense played pretty much a flawless game. Um, I yeah, they lost they lost Gary, but uh, Rodriguez is just way too fast to keep up, and I don't know, I don't remember if that was Novak or Pereira. Um, but it's going to be a hard season because they seem to be the, the, the starting the starting defense for us and we're going to play a lot of games. Um, I like that Unal Karma finally, finally uh, started to make some good changes. It wasn't working with, uh, with Audijaj, um, even though I think Yusuf Sar is absolutely horrible. It was good to get his pace on the pitch. Um, he, he replaced uh, Abdelkader Parmak at, uh, uh, after the first half with Doan Erdogan. Who also played a really good game. He seems to be chasing players pretty well and keeps his head up, so he has pretty good good vision. Um, but man of the match, player of the game, just give him, give him the MVP trophy that we don't have. Urjan Chakar, that guy, he's like 24 years old, and he he just keeps getting better and better and better after suffering through. Uh, I think he's 22, through, isn't he? Isn't he? I thought he was like uh, 90, 95, 95, I thought. Maybe he's 23, but I definitely don't think he's 24. But uh, yeah, please continue he, uh, making still, points. Still, he's pretty, he's pretty young. And after suffering, uh, you know, I like I like Ondor a lot. He was he was a really good keeper. But mm-hmm. he, met, he, 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 had some diff- he had some difficulties with balls coming from the, from the side of the pitch. Mm, it was very and, small. Yeah. And... Um, Uljan seems to not really have a lot of, a lot of mistakes... Um, yeah, the I one against uh, Prague, I think. Yeah, yeah he, he he asked. He, I think that was pretty much because he he lacked a couple, he lacked a bit of match fitness. He just got married in the uh, in in the break, so I think maybe his head was away. But still, he, he played a really great game. Um, props to uh, 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 to Fenerbahce. I have to say, I didn't uh, I didn't like Murici at all. Um, I normally I really like him because he's really. Uh, the energetic striker, but I really liked. He struggled uh, a little in this match. Yeah, I really liked Cruza this game. Cruza was pretty much dictating the pace, and he, he was always on the ball. And you know, on the left, on the right, he, he kept asking for the ball and playing and playing and playing. And um, was on too fun after being ridiculed last year for for being fat and whatever and making all the jokes about him. He played a really good game. Second Yalcin effect. Yeah, we haven't we haven't won like in twenty years or something in in Kadikay. <laughs> and I have a feeling that uh, with with how Ersten Yanal can motivate his players, it's going to be uh, it's going to last a little bit longer. Um, and lastly, um, I also really like that uh, Ali Koch and uh, Aulo could have really like you know watch the game in all peace, no no bullshit, no stress, you know, keep keep the past behind us. And uh, let's let's try to keep a normal uh, relationship with the teams. I think it was an example of how a derby should be played. Uh, it was a great game, spectacular for the neutral, like Burak pointed out. There was no controversy in terms of fights or anything like that, like we, we always see in the Fenerbahce-Galtzerai matches. And 
sometimes in the recent years in the Besiktas Fenerbahce matches, but Besiktas Fenerbahce are usually pretty spectacular games too. But Galatasaray Fenerbahce is always just like I don't know, not much football being seen in those games mostly. But let's. I know Burak has to go soon, so let's quickly talk about the big talking points, which are the penalty positions. I think in the first half there was one for Trabzonspor where uh, I think it was Sanka kind of giving Nakaeme a push in the back when he was lining up for a shot, but. Nakayeme, uh, being the strong oxy is, stays on his feet and actually squeezes off the shot. Probably should have gone down because then I think he always gets a penalty. Uh, and I definitely think that the push in the back hindered mm-hmm. him from putting in a good shot. Uh, but then there's this, the, the one for Fenerbahce, of course, with the potential handball, uh, which is a potential, which could be a potential penalty. I'll explain why it's not. But I'm going to give uh, Burak the floor first. Why? 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 Thank you, my gracious host. I I look forward to your explanation on why it it shouldn't be a penalty. Um, I'm taking my rules from it directly again from from EFAB, which came into effect on the second what, of June. Why? Why is that, Barack? Because I am a man of the law. <laughs> uh, that needs to be a T-shirt at some point. Um, yeah, honestly, we should do some merchandise from the from this pod. Just you just have to go. I am the law. Dread. <laughs> Maybe, and and we can have the retort with the famous song by the Prodigy if, saying, "If we are ever doing T-shirts, we are doing one with I am a man of the law." You can, you can, we definitely do. Actually, we're gonna make that happen. <laughs> Amazing. Now, my understanding, you know, the rules of the handball. It goes, you know, the, the handball rule has been rewritten, but you know, it's just displayed the entire. Uh, written rule. So deliberate handball remains an offence, um, and it wasn't a deliberate handball at all. I don't think by the the Trabzon player, his arm comes up, it comes off his knee, ball comes off his arm. You can see the trajectory of the ball change direction as well. And so what happens, I think, is is the ball touches the player's hand arm, which has made their body unnaturally bigger. Now, at the point of contact. His arm is in between his hip and his shoulder. So it's not directly up like if you're jumping up to block a free kick and your arm's in the air and it hits your hand. That's a clear handball. You know, we, we saw that with uh, Kimpembe uh, in the Champions League. We saw it in the Champions League final with Sissoko. Unfortunately, he fell foul of the new law because I'm a man of the law. So for me, it touches the throws on sort of player's arm comes off his knee first and then hits his hand so for me looking at the rules that's that's a penalty um but you know i'm not gonna you know, cry too much about it at all <laughs> well let me let me explain to you Burak, why it's not a penalty please so this is also this is also in addition to the new rule since this year is this However, dutch yeah. friend referee again no no this is, i'm just finding this on the interwebs from yeah. ifap However, the following will not usually be a free kick or a penalty, whatever, blah, 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 blah. So this is important, what I'm going to read right now. The ball touches a player's hand arm directly from their own head, body or foot. So because the ball touched his own body first and then ricocheted onto his arm, it's not a penalty. If the ball touches his arm first, it's a penalty. So if the ball comes from a player's own body and then hits their arm, it's not. It's considered not a foul. Well, you have that rule, but the, the rule says the following will not usually be a free kick unless they are one of the above situations. One of the above situations is the ball touching a player's hand arm, which has made their body unnaturally bigger. So 
what you're talking about is the ball touches a player's hand arm directly from their own head, body, foot, or the body part on, of another player. Yeah. So that I agree with. I think what we have to try and agree on, which I'm sure we won't do, is if the arm has made their body unnaturally bigger. Because that's the key point here. It says it won't usually be a free kick unless they're one of the above situations. Mm-hmm. One of the above situations is the ball touching a player's hand arm, which has made their body unnaturally bigger. Now, fortunately, the description doesn't say if it comes off their leg, their foot, or if it comes off the leg or foot of another player. So I think that's where we have the amb- yeah. ambigu- amb- ambiguity Actually, and the shades of grey. <laughs> I actually spoke about this exact situation before this match even happened. I spoke, you know, when I was sp- talking about um, uh, the, the Gals right position with the penalty and stuff. I was actually speaking about this exact position uh, because um, what I had in mind... Remember last year... Uh, Galtrai Pishiktaj, there was like Medel like kicked the ball against Vida's arm. Now, last year that was not a penalty, this year that would be a penalty. So if the ball comes from a teammate and he kicks it accidentally against a teammate's arm, that's a penalty now. But if you if it, if the ball comes off of your own body, I was literally told you can't do that on purpose. So I was like, okay, but who is going to kick the ball against his teammate's arm on purpose but yeah no apparently it, it's as long as it comes off of your own body and then it's not a fall apparently uh yeah that's why it wasn't checked by VAR, and that's why it wasn't awarded i still say penalty but i would be interested to hear uh Jakub's, uh opinion on it like i say yeah. I, I think in the grand scheme of things the jaw is probably the fair result um but, you know, I think on another day, that could potentially have been given as a penalty. Um, that it, 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 it did look like a bit like a penalty. But um, I also agree with Khan that, you know, if, if a ball bounces off your leg and you can't do anything about it, you know, it's, it isn't like it's bouncing off his leg and he's trying to slap the ball away. It, it, it just happens. Um, I think that a lot, another game that was played this weekend had the same thing. It was, I think, the Sivas for Gazishir game, I think. Where the same the same thing happened, where the ball first hit his hit 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 his shoulder or something, and then his arm or something, and you know, it's 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 a hard decision um, for uh, for the refs, but I'm pretty sure that if he went to VAR, that uh, he might have given it. Yeah, but that's the thing. VAR wasn't going to intervene here because it came off of his own body. Yeah. So, so that's why you know. Uh, what did you think of... Uh, there was this position in the second half where I thought maybe penalty. Ekuban with a little uh, Marseille roulette and I think he got tripped. But I'm not sure. No, no, no. The, I don't know which defender it was. He, he got the ball. I remember that I position. Tank, I'm not sure. Yeah, he, he was he was trying a bit too much. Uh, he was uh, in the moment, you know. <laughs> yeah. And um, he, he was he was twisting the right stick for to save his life, but it didn't really... <laughs> but um, yeah, I because I remember when I was watching the game, I was like, nah, that so does it look like a foul because he, he pretty much got the ball if I remember correctly but yeah. uh, the position on uh, Vakaime it looked like a foul but I um, I agree with what you said if he if he fell instead of keeping running um, he probably would have got he would have gotten the foul but yeah. the guy is built like a fucking tank so you know it's, it's kind of hard to push him off the ball and that I, I'm pretty sure that works in his dis, uh, in his disadvantage you know in this, um, in this situation yeah 
yeah, in this situation. But I, I, I do think that um, the, the moment he was trying to strike the ball, he was pushed. So if if a VAR check yeah. was done, it might have given. They might. They probably would have given a penalty. But I don't think that uh, a game this big in 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 in, uh, in Istanbul that the referee would have gone to uh, gone too far. I do have to say though. Before uh, before the match was played and the referees were announced, I was like, "Oh God, here we go again," uh, because I think that Ferhat Aydunus is a bit—he's like the Fatih Terim of, uh, of of the of uh, of the refs. He pretty much plays for the camera. He's really too. That's Ali Palabik. Uh, I just you know I I don't like Turkish referees at all, but I just hate how he's trying to act like a Turkish Colina. But uh, he he really he really <laughs> I, I I I think that he really refed a good game. So, uh, yeah. props to him. Yeah, and I think we can agree that it was a very fair match. And I think two really good teams. For me, the most, the best teams I've seen so far. If I look at the, the on-paper title contenders, Besiktas are looking very poor. Uh, Besiktas are nowhere near ready. Galatasaray looks like a team that's just past their prime because they have way too many old players. Obviously, that that, that can change because they got a a couple of players now on deadline. Um, Fenerbahce just look really fresh going forward. They are so impressive. They they have so much energy. They attack with so much force. I think when I when they went up after 70 minutes, I really had the feeling of well, they're just gonna walk over Trabzon. But then I was really impressed by how Trabzon rebounded and actually got back into the game. And then as as Burak also pointed out, and I think like Yago pointed out, in the second half they really got into the game. After it has to be said, Fenerbahce in the early minutes of the second half could have definitely scored um, but then after those two or so chances I think one a Vera Muric header and I think the other one was um, a header from uh, oh, who was the other header I don't remember exactly but two really good saves from Urujan at the start of the second half and after that the match balanced out and I think Trabzon maybe might have been, had the slight edge uh, Uzer your final thoughts on this match please because you haven't been able to say anything so far yeah, I've been listening to you, you guys debate the penalty position with great interest. Um, I just think uh, the, the real takeaway, it was an interesting game actually. The, the real highlight for me was Orjan in goal for Trabzon, which you guys have already spoken at length. But just want to give him a shout out too, because he seems like a really solid guy and really, really uh, impressed with his performance. Great um, time waster as well. Yeah, yeah, he's very good at that. He, he got a yellow card, I think, at some point, And then he was really... Uh, teetering on the edge of getting the second, which would have been hilarious to get sent off for for, um, for time wasting in a derby. But you know, he hey, that's a sign of maturity, I guess. So you got to give him credit for that. Um, but the Fener's goalie was was also very impressive. So it's it's nice to see two young goalkeepers being given the chance. Um, Trabzonspor looked good going forward. They they sort of bounced back after the goal, um, and I'm really excited to watch them when Surridge is finally bolted onto that team as well. I think they're going to be great going forward. But like I said before, I think they have to be very careful to cover up their holes in defence. Um, Fener are sort of kind of like coming together, but um, they would have really liked to have won this game to have, to have made a flashy start to the season. So 1-1, I think, probably suits Trubs on more than it does Fener. Yeah, I mean, at the end, it was when we were 1-0 up and... Mr. Giorgi decided to shoot instead of square the ball. I think if oh, we'd have God, gone, yeah. if we'd have gone two 0 up at that point, I think the game would have been decided. But Tolga decided that he was a striker instead of a central midfielder with no real uh, shoot capacity. 
That's how I feel about thing Juve. That, uh, that Audijaj, uh, pretty much Audijaj and, uh, and Sorlot being two on one, and instead of passing it to a, to a Sorlot or Wakaime, that's pretty much like one on one goal. He tried to shoot on goal and it it, it, it didn't go in. I mean, after after big games like this, it's always like, oh, what if this happened? What if this happened? But, you know, it is what it is. Indeed. And, and before I drop off, I'd like to say it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast, Jakub. I hope we get you on again uh, throughout the course of the season. And I'd like to wish you the very best in your Europa League campaign. Yes, thank you. Okay, let's quickly finish off with Malatya Spor against Alanya Spor. This match ending 2-3. Jehun Gulsalam getting the scoring started in the 20th minute. Two minutes later, Junior Fernandez doubles the scoreline for Alanya Spor 2-0 up. Then in the 44th minute, Papi Sisse puts the 3-0 on the scoreboard. So half-time score 0-3 in favor of Alanya Spor. But Malatya Spor get back into the match through Tievi Bifuma in the 47th minute. And then Adis Jahovic in the 57th minute, making it 2-3. And 30 plus more minutes to go, but no equalizer. This match ending 2 to 3, which makes Alanya Sport the lone leaders of the Super League with the, on the only team remaining with the maximum of the points with nine points out of three games. Um, quick thoughts on this, Jakub. Uh, Alanya Sport were impressive, uh, and they have been impressive since the start of the season, really. Yeah, Junior Fernandez had a really good game, a great control every time. This finish was great. Um, I love the cross on the first goal. Like if it, it seemed like a back and cross, um, you have to give uh, you ha you have to give uh, Matthias for your respect for you know being th three 0 down and still <clears throat> still coming back. Um, I do have to say though, I thought that uh, the keeper should have got the goal of Ayahuic. Um It was like, it was a, a really weird one where he like he uh, he misjudged the way he was going to head the ball and he 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 like slapped the ball. He tried to slap the ball away, but it still went in. But a really good game. I, I like it when uh, when two smaller teams have have games like this. It's 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 really beautiful in the in, in the Turkish league. Yeah, I think you're right. That's yeah. uh, that's a good point. Some of these kind of um, smaller games get often slip under the radar, but they're, they're quite exciting to watch. So this was a pretty exciting game. I only saw the highlights, but um, it's pretty end-to-end -end stuff. Alanya made it three out of three now, so they're sitting pretty on top of the league, and also very impressed with Junior Fernandez, played some really fancy football there. And um, Malatya, as you know, we watched them in Europe as well. They, they play some good football. They've got a decent squad. So both teams have a um, good shout to finish at very least in the top half of the league. Um, but yeah, agreeing with you, that wherever these two guys are involved, be interesting, interesting fixes for sure. And one more interesting point, Errol Bulut, of course, facing his former club, Malatya Sport, and Sergen Yalcin facing his former club, Alanya Sport. So that's just an interesting note. Uh, but we're going to close it off for that for this week, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, quick shout-out, uh, check out our Patreon at uh, www.patreon.com slash F-A-L-T if you want to support the podcasters too. There's two ways you can do so by a $3 a month pledge or a $10 a month pledge. It would be very much appreciated if you could support the podcast. And uh, stay tuned. We'll have some bonus episodes coming up 
for you uh, during the course of the international break. We'll have uh, episodes up previewing Galtrai's Champions League group. I already have some confirmed guests for that. Jonathan Johnson um, will be covering Paris Saint-Germain. Ben Hayward will be covering Real Madrid. And Guillaume Mable... Guillaume Mabe is coming on to cover Club Rouge. And then, of course, our very own Ezer Dinger will be talking about Galtrai. We'll be previewing all four the teams so that it's interesting for not just us Turkish uh, fans, uh, Turkish football fans, but also for other fans of the other clubs who might want to be listening. Then in the Europa League, confirmed guests for Group C, I have Oliver Zeisiger covering Basel, we have Will Baumgartner covering Krasnodar, and we have Alexandra Johnson covering Getafe, and then of course here our very own uh, Jakub Marovolo covering Trabzonspor. And in Group K, uh, not that many confirmed guests actually for Wolverhampton, we already have Alex Dicken confirmed, but uh, I'm still looking for experts on Braga and uh, Slovan Bratislava. And you know what? I'll probably bring in one of my Besiktas friends in order not to interview myself. That would be kind of ridiculous. Then Group J, uh, Roma will be covered by John Solano. Uh, München Gladbach will be covered by Ronan Murphy. Bashakshir will be covered by our good friend Bruno Bataro. And Wolfsberger will, Berger will be covered by Martin Schauhuber. So those are our upcoming guests. I have a lot of recording to do in the next week or two. So bear with me uh, if the, the the episodes kind of drop at weird times. But uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Football a la Turca. Please check the show notes for Twitter handles and such. And see you all next week. Or maybe even sooner. <laughs> <laughs>